following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. We're going to have our readings in a couple of seconds. There are two of them, so can I help you to prepare yourselves for that? If you grab um, a Bible that's nearby... And um, if I give you a couple of page numbers and references, uh, if you could put a finger in each of those places, and then you'll be ready for both of the readings. So the first one is Psalm 95 on page 602. So if you turn to page 602 and find Psalm 95, and uh, pop one finger in there, page 602, Psalm 95. The second one is 1 Timothy chapter 6, page 1194. 1 Timothy 6, page 1194. So one finger in Psalm 95, one finger in 1 Timothy 6. And I'm going to hand over to Margaret and Ruth, uh, Ruth and Margaret rather, uh, to give us our two readings. Thanks. The first reading is Psalm 95, to be found on page 602. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountains' peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Manasseh in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are the people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Thanks be to God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation, and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, 
I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Wonderful, Ruth and Margaret. Thank you very, very much indeed. Good morning uh, to you all. Uh, now, there's some handouts uh, heading out. The printer is on the blink again, so it's sort of uh, put both sides of uh, an A4 piece, but hopefully you can make good sense of it. And um, as you know, today is Giving Sunday. Last Sunday uh, was Vision Sunday, and it's something we do in the autumn every year, Vision Sunday and Giving Sunday. We bring them together, and one of the things... Um, about our vision is, is the character that we want to grow in as a church, the, the culture we want to grow in as a church. And there are five different characteristics, cultures that we particularly would love to, to grow in. Uh, you'll know them all off the top of your head, I'm quite sure. Uh, engaging evangelism, uh, real relationships, deep dis- discipleship, joyful generosity, and wholehearted worship. These are characteristics we we long to grow in as a church. And today on Giving Sunday, we're particularly focusing on joyful generosity. What does it mean to be people full of joyful generosity? What does it mean to be a church that is joyfully generous? It's an idea our culture loves to be generous. Uh, Staring at me from Uh, the front of my packet of pasta the other day, uh, Rana Pasta, has this, live life generously. There it was, emblazoned across the front of the pack of pasta. Uh, It's an idea we like. We like the idea of generosity as a culture. We like that. And, of course, we will love that idea. But when it comes to talking about finance or money, then often our overwhelming emotion is more likely to be one of anxiety than one of joy. Uh, There is much anxiety around money, not least in the times we live in at the moment. Uh, Maybe uh, we are facing very real financial difficulties at the moment. Perhaps we're in debt, or we're struggling to pay off the credit card bill, or the mortgage payments are just becoming unsustainable. And it's a real cause of anxiety 
this morning. Uh, We'll all be very, very conscious of the massive rise in the cost of living over the past couple of years. Uh, For many of us, life is very tight indeed. And perhaps this morning we're anxious about the future. Uh, How can I ever afford a house? Uh, How can I afford to retire? Anxiety is often the term that we would most associate when we think about finance and, and generosity rather than joy. And here's the question we want to think about. Uh, how do we move from anxiety to joy? And we might be thinking, well, the answer is obvious. The answer is more money. More money would help us move from anxiety to joy. That's the thing we instinctively feel. Now, of course, having more money might make a significant difference and be a great blessing Uh, for some amongst us. I don't want to underplay that. Poverty, the Bible is clear, poverty is not a good thing. But the Bible is also clear that simply having more money won't remove our anxiety. Uh, There are many wealthy people full of anxieties over money, over the fear of losing it, over how best to use it, wrestling with the experience of being defined by it, wrestling with greed and envy. And maybe that's you today. Uh, The Bible often speaks of the deceptiveness of money, the deceitfulness of money. It seems to offer so much. It seems to offer peace and security and joy and happiness. And yet ultimately it fails to deliver. So how can we move from anxiety to joy? And the answer the Bible gives is this word generosity. Generosity. That is how we move from anxiety to joy when it comes to do with our stuff. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed is speaking about happiness. There is more happiness in giving than receiving, Jesus says. So this morning, I'd love us to spend a little bit of time thinking about what the, the whole Bible really has to say about how we can grow in joyful generosity. Um, you might be thinking that this is not really for you this morning. Uh, Maybe you're a student and you think, all I've got is debt. How can this possibly be for me? But as we were thinking in our church family focus earlier, it's not about how much we give. It could be a very small amount. It's about the attitude of our hearts, about shaping our hearts for a habit of a lifetime. Uh, Perhaps you're still at school. You're you're under 18, uh, you're thinking, I've only got a little bit of pocket money. Well, perhaps this is the best time to be thinking these things through when uh, you haven't got the complexity of having money in a bank account. Uh, This is a brilliant opportunity to grow in convictions around money. And it's worth us thinking, if we're a parent here, uh, that actually childhood is, is, is the best time for shaping our children 
in their attitude towards money and stuff. It is a wonderful way in which we can model to them, a wonderful opportunity for us to model to them and to help them form habits of a lifetime, which will bring joy. Uh, Perhaps you're visiting us uh, this morning, or you're not a Christian here. You're sort of looking in to the Christian life. And yes, in one sense, uh, this isn't for you. But in another, it very much is. Because I think as we think about the whole topic of generosity, we really get to the heart of the Christian faith. We get to the heart of God himself. Who he's like, what he's like. If you want to know what God is like, I hope this morning will be a really great window into the nature of the God that we believe in. And it's also vital to say, as we think about this, that we're not thinking simply about money. We're not thinking about anything less than money. But the Bible has a much, much, much bigger vision for our generosity than simply cash. We have many resources in our life. Time, health, expertise, knowledge, skills, gifts, homes, relationships. Plus, just think of the spiritual resources we've been given. The resource of prayer, of wisdom, of the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, We want to be thinking about all these things as we think about what does it mean to have a generous life and how do we find joy in that? So the much wider question is how do we grow in joyful generosity in all of these things? And this is the big, big point I'd love to make this morning is that it all starts with God. It all starts by looking towards God, a God of joyful generosity, a God of outstanding, abundant generosity. Uh, First, we see it in creation. We see in creation how uh, God's amazing generosity, it's worth just thinking about this a little bit. What is creation? What is all the stuff around us? It is all God's. Why is it all God's? Because God made everything out of nothing. That is what Christians believe of creation. God made absolutely everything out of nothing. And therefore, the implication is it's all his. All of creation is his. Everything is from him. So just think of the things we have. Our body, our intelligence, the people around us, our friends, our husband, wife, children, parents. Uh, The food we eat, the homes we live in, the cars we drive, the places we travel to, the jobs we have, the warm sun we feel, the water we drink, the beauty we see, the air we breathe, all of it, everything is from God. And it's his generous gift to us. Uh, And isn't God's generosity in creation just incredible? It's so over and above what is necessary. And just think of the area of food. The sheer variety of food out there in the world. The variety, I don't know what food you've been eating this past week. No doubt it's been pretty varied. You haven't had the same thing every single day. You've had a huge variety. There's just 
walk into a supermarket, the sheer food from all around the world. It's, it's extraordinary. Think about our tongues, how our tongues are able to enjoy that variety. Just the anatomy of the tongue, that we can taste sweet and salty and, and sour and bitter, and the tongue taste buds can, can cope with all of that. And what a joy that is. God didn't need to do that, but he's abundantly generous. We could just go to any area of creation. Think sunsets. Every sunset's different. Aren't sunsets just the most wonderful thing? Don't they just fill you up when you see something like that? Uh, think a variety of animals. God didn't have to create such wide variety of animals. And he has. What an extraordinary range of animals. That seems a ridiculous phrase. I mean, it's amazing. God's creativity and his abundance, his generosity in it. Think trees. I did look this one up. There are 73,000, 73,300 species of trees on earth, it's estimated. Right? Isn't that amazing? I think beauty, endless beautiful places and sights on earth. Now here's just one picture of a beautiful place dear to many, many people. That's been in the news uh, recently. Um, Sycamore Gap. And just, just the sheer I mean, simplicity of that, and yet the beauty of that. Uh, isn't God just extraordinary in his generosity, in giving us? So we could go on and on. We could speak all day about this. Uh, hear what the psalmist says that we just heard earlier. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hand formed the dry land. How do we respond to our creator God? Well, verse 6, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When we think about creation, when we think about its beauty, when we think about its abundance, all that we have should lead us to worship on our knees and to understanding that anything that we give has, of course, first been given to us by our abundantly generous, wonderful God. Now, we're just stewards. We've been given stuff. So much. And so anything we give, we're just being stewards of it. In the Old Testament, uh, when they were building the temple, uh, the people of Israel gave their gifts for the building of this temple. And Solomon, who received them, he understood that actually all they were doing was giving back to God what had already been given to them. He said these words, for all things, praying to God, for all things come from you, Lord, and of your own have we given you. When we give, we only give what has already been given to us. But the reality is that's probably not how we often think about our wealth, of what we have. We tend to think, but it's mine. It's mine. And there is something going on here about the state of our, our world that is really important for us to, to, to understand. And it's very disruptive to the way the world was that God made, the way the world uh, that God intended the world to be. 
the way the world was supposed to be. You see, there was supposed to be this creation dynamic, we could call it, of uh, a to and fro of generosity, of an abundantly generous God giving to his people, and then his people receiving and giving back to God and giving out to one another, reflecting God, imaging God and his generosity. That's the way the world was meant to be, and to fill the world with such generosity, uh, rebounding around. What a wonderful world that would be to live in. And yet, the reality is, in our sin, in our selfishness, in our sort of curved inness, uh, rather than being reflecting God's generosity, what we tend to do in our sinful nature is to sort of terminate the process. So it's as though God pours out to us, and then we say, thank you very much, and it stops there. Now think of it like a river the sort of river flowing through, water flowing through the river. And in our section, it's a bit like the river comes in and we sort of build a dam. And we just sort of stop it up. And so the river doesn't sort of flow on. We cut the supply. And that causes all sorts of problems in our world. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, the love of money is the root of all kinds of of evil. This desire to keep hold of resources, to use them simply for our own gain, uh, which is really idolatry of money, uh, seeking to get for money what money cannot give us. And that, we're told, is the root of all kind of evil. It causes all sorts of problems in our world. And there's nothing wrong with money itself. It's a good gift of God. God generously gives it to us and resources and everything. But the love of that, when we idolise it, it causes all sorts of trouble in our world. And so we bring a great disruptive flow, as it were, to the way the world was made. It's a bit like we sort of cut down the tree. I mean, it's been tragic seeing that sycamore tree cut down. I don't know how much you've sort of engaged with that. But there's something just deeply sad about it. Uh, something that is so beautiful, that is there for the pleasure of so many, and yet somebody, one night, chopped it down, and it's caused real understandable sadness. And the truth is, that's a little picture of what is true for all of us in our hearts, that God gives us so much beauty, so much abundance, so much to enjoy, so much to share, and yet somehow we sort of cut it down for our own ends uh, in our sinful nature. But do you know what's so good about the Christian message? What is so wonderful is that God's generosity is not just generosity shown in creation. He keeps going. He keeps going. And he has shown so much abundant generosity in redemption. We've made a bit of a mess of this world. But God keeps being gracious, keeps being generous. At John 3, 16, most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
Those are two of the most amazing verses in the Bible because they speak of the most amazing truth in all the world. That even though we react so badly with God's generosity towards us, even though sin has caused such damage in our world, God keeps loving. He keeps being gracious. He keeps being generous. So much so that he gave what was most valuable to him, his own son. And Jesus, he gave up all the riches of heaven to come into this earth, to the poverty of the cross, to die in our place, taking the punishment we deserve. And so enabling forgiveness for those who put their trust in Jesus. Now this is, this is the heart of the Christian faith, a God who gives himself so that we might have the riches of heaven. The riches of eternal life with him. A perfect hope, a perfect security, a perfect peace, an abundant creation even abundant new creation, even greater and more real and generous than this creation. That is what we have if we're in Christ. That is what we have to look forward to if we're in Christ. Even greater riches, even greater abundance than God has given us for all eternity. That is how generous God is to us. He just keeps being generous to us. And so the more we grasp that as Christians, as we put our trust in Jesus, as we acknowledge our our sin and we turn back to him and receive his grace in our life, the more we dwell on his generosity to us in creation and in new creation, in him being our maker and him being our redeemer, the more we grasp that, the more we will receive his riches and reflect them back and turn them back. We will have a posture not so much curved in on ourselves, but a new posture of generosity. It's in the light of this that the Apostle Paul writes what we heard there uh, from our uh, our other reading. Actually, it's 1 Timothy, uh, not 2 Timothy uh, 6. Our handout's wrong there. But the Apostle Paul says this, command them uh, to do good. Uh, Speaking of Uh, Christians with their resources to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That is the implication for us if we're a Christian. We're following the Lord Jesus. We're to be rich in good deeds. We're to be generous. We're to be willing to share. We're to lay up these treasures for all eternity. And do you that phrase, to take hold of life that is truly life. This is life. Imaging God, reflecting God, reflecting his generosity. That is where life is truly found. Not in securing wealth and riches for ourselves, but in being generous. That's why it's so joyful. It actually means to be fully human, to be more human, to image God more fully. The hold that money has on us as we give, as, as, as we give our resources, it breaks that and we reflect God more and we become more the people that God created us to be.
And that is why there's joy in it. So joyful generosity is rooted in the joyful generosity of God. Now, as we uh, draw to a close, just a few practical things. What does joyful generosity look like in practice? Um, How, how much, who to? Here are just a few quick thoughts on this. There's so much stuff that could be said about this, but here are just a few quick thoughts. How? Uh, Well, be planned is one thing that I would suggest, that I think the Bible suggests. Uh, Often our generosity, we lack generosity simply actually through thoughtlessness, through a a lack of just giving it time. Uh, Sometimes the intentions are very, very good, but we just never quite get there to fit in the standing order or to invite somebody around or whatever it might be. And uh, it's worth just thinking as we plan, how, how are we using our resources? And by that, I mean so much more than simply our money. How are we using our skills, our, our education, our gifts, our opportunities, our time? Do we give time and space to really think about that? Uh, it's well worth doing so, just giving some time and space. How are we using this to be as generous as we possibly can be? Uh, take some time, step back, uh, think them through, and then put them into action. Put them into practice. Be planned. But also, be spontaneous. Be spontaneous. Uh, don't lose the joy of spontaneity. There's great joy in spontaneous generosity. And I wonder whether this is particularly significant for us in our day and age, in our part of London. We don't have much margin in life, do we? We pack out life. Every single square inch of life is full. And that can be really tough. That can often take away the joy of being generous because it takes away the opportunity for spontaneity. Now, I recognize we're all at different stages of life, and there are many different demands on us. But it's worth just thinking, is there a way I can create a little bit more margin so I have opportunity to respond to need? And I've got a bit more margin in my time, for example. Be planned, be spontaneous. That's how. How much? How much does the Bible say specifically in terms of my giving, should I be giving? Uh, you might be asking the question about tithing. Uh, Christians think different things about tithing. Uh, in the Old Testament, tithing was commanded, uh, which actually turned out to be a bit more than just 10% that's often thought about. Uh, Graham Bynan, uh, in, in, a, in a terrific book, uh, I think it's called Money Counts, he, he reckons actually that uh, the amount that you were required to give in a tithe for the people of Israel, was actually about 23%. Uh, But in Israel, at that time, there was no welfare state, uh, no taxes. So we live in a different time now in the New Testament. We're not a a, a nation state as God's people. Um, The question that the New Testament poses is a slightly different question. It's not asking, what must I give? It's more asking the question, what can I give? What can I give? And what is wonderful is there's freedom here. There's total freedom here. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, a joyful giver. So this is not tax. Uh, Think of tax. Tax we tend to give reluctantly. Uh, We feel a sense of compulsion. Perhaps avoid it if possible. Uh, God is speaking about here of something that is actually a decision of the heart. One that we're to do with joy, with cheerfulness. Uh, For some, that will be way more than 10% we'll be able to give. Uh, For others, it will be way less. That's why it's so helpful. Uh, Johnny, take us through that uh, story of the widow's might uh, from Mark chapter 12. Now, we're all in different places. It's simply between you and the Lord as to what you give. How much? Who to? Who am I to give to? Uh, how, how are we to work out where we should be giving? And um, uh, this can take often a little bit of wisdom. Uh, the Bible does say that we're to be faithful with our resources. There, there are some areas where we're, we're required to be faithful. And we're to be faithful, for example, to our own families. Uh, actually, uh, the Apostle Paul puts it really quite strongly. 1 Timothy 5, he says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Puts that pretty strongly. But the point is being, you know, we're to provide for our family. That is, that is something the Lord, <laughs> what it looks like to be a faithful disciple as far as we possibly can. It's also true to say that we're to provide for church family as well. The mark of faithful discipleship is providing for church family. Again, the Apostle Paul picks up, actually on something we looked at last week from Luke chapter 10, uh, this phrase, the worker deserves his wages. And uh, he, he speaks of uh, the church there in 1 Timothy 5. Uh, let me read from verse 17. The elders who direct the fer- affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. And I think that's what that's saying. We're, we're to be providing for the ministry of the church. And uh, that's what uh, Nathan was, was alerting us to, showing us to, uh, the opportunities to do that. But can I say, generosity goes can go, and it would be wonderful when it goes beyond those commitments as well. And there's so much that we could be giving to, isn't there, in the world around us. There are so many needs, so many charities, uh, so many appeals, and it's obviously wonderful to be able to give to them. It's worth thinking, though, that probably only Christians normally will be giving to Christian charities and ministries. And it's worth thinking also about where is the greatest need in our world? I was very struck by something Vaughan Roberts, who's uh, a vicar up in Oxford, wrote on this. And uh, coming up on the screen, his quote, uh, I read this this week. He said this, When we think about the most significant things happening in the world today, our minds might go to the huge political issues that are being discussed in Washington or London or Beijing, or we might think of those news items that are uh, shown in our bulletins. Uh, and 
as we've been praying, I mean, what massive news we've been having in our bulletins this week, a seismic events in the Middle East. But hear what Vaughan Roberts says. But actually, the most significant thing that's going on in the world is almost never mentioned in any news bulletin. And that is God's great work of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. It doesn't come in the news. But that is the big, the most significant thing happening today in the world is the gospel going out and God gathering a people for himself for all eternity. That is the most significant thing happening. Even in a week like we've just had, the growth of God's kingdom, his mission to gather his people that will be with him forever. And so that is the most wonderful thing to invest in, to store up treasure in heaven, to invest in that great work that God is doing. And again, there are so many opportunities for this, of course, in the local church, but beyond as well. I mean, just connected uh, to what we're doing here, Insight, an amazing ministry, going into schools in our borough, bringing the gospel. And uh, it'd be wonderful to be growing a support base for Insight. People are able to give just even a small amount, five, ten pounds a month, perhaps, uh, to support this ministry and invest in it uh, would make a huge difference. I don't know if you ever thought about being a patron behind a ministry. Uh, Commission, we're part of a network of churches uh, called Commission, uh, which is seeking to plant churches all across London. And Commission's always on the lookout for potential patrons, people who can get behind this church planting uh, ministry. Uh, it doesn't have to be huge amounts, but to say, look, I'm going to back this. I want to be for this. What a wonderful use of resources. Uh, I can tell you about uh, ways you might like to do that. And you'll know all sorts of other things. Charities not known to be uh, ministries. You might think, I'd love to really get behind that. What a great thing to be able to do. So there's a few things mentioned uh, we can mention on the practice of joyful generosity. This evening in our uh, evening service, we're going to uh, think more at, and look more at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, look at different principles for giving. Uh, do come back for that or listen to it on the podcast. But for now, as we close, uh, let's turn our eyes again to God. We're going to uh, sing in just a second. Maybe the band might like to, to come up. We're going to turn our eyes to God again, to his abundant generosity to us in creation, in redemption. And the more we look to God and his abundant generosity for us, that will shape us and move us to be more like him, to follow him, to reflect him, and so be generous to others. And in that, to know the joy, the joy of being more like God, of reflecting him and his abundant generosity. So let's, let's stand together. And um, we're going to, to sing together now. Uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Uh, it's worth saying the prayer team will be available uh, to my right, to, to your left. Do, do make the opportunity uh, to, to pray with them if you would like to do so, if you would like to pray with someone. But let's uh, just take this moment to cast our eyes uh, towards God. Father, we thank you for who you are, for your nature, for your character. 
Lord, thank you, a God of abundant generosity, of abundant grace, not just in the world we live in, although we thank you for all that we have, but in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have salvation, in whom we have an eternal hope. Lord, stir us up to be more like you, to be more like him in every aspect of our life, not least in our generosity. Might we know the joy, the joy that comes from following in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.